Hi, this is Carl. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast, and I'm joined today by Mark Smith, who is the, uh, let me make sure I get it right, Executive Vice President of EH Media, and some of you are familiar with his, one of his magazines, which is Channel Pro, but there are also several other magazines, including Commercial Integrator, CE Pro, and even Security Sales and Integration. So in all, I think your magazines cover about 12 niche markets, is that correct? That's right, 12 different niche markets, yep. So you have an interesting past. Most people have read another one of your magazines that you don't actually own anymore, but uh, you got started with Windows NT Magazine. That's right. So my story was I was an IT guy and happy to be an IT guy, quite frankly, working for um, different, different companies and had the idea, literally woke it up in the middle of the night with the idea to start Windows NT Magazine. The story was um, I was an IT manager for a small publishing company and one of my programmers came to me and said, hey, you know, we ought to look into this Windows NT thing. At the time, we were on NetWare. We had NetWare and Unix. And if anybody can remember those two <laughs> operating systems, you know, they were the dominant, you know, file and print type deal. So here's this Windows NT. So he went to Barnes & Noble and came back and said, you know, there are no magazines for Windows NT. He says, I found three magazines for OS2, <laughs> but none for Windows NT. We looked up, sure enough. So we said to each other, hey, why don't we start Windows NT magazine? So put a business plan together. Literally, uh, an IT guy uh, pounded on Microsoft's door for about three months, finally got a meeting and pitched the idea, but different than any pitch they'd had. Because up till then, they'd only been pitched on a consumer magazine because, remember at the time, they only had Windows 95. Right. A desktop OS. They had zero, zero market share in the enterprise. So I pitched them on an enterprise magazine, kind of like our other magazine. Because we had a little publishing company called News 3X400. I had an AS400 background. <laughs> so I pushed that across. They said yes. Now, there's a whole backstory why they said yes. And then I said, well, okay, what, what do you want? I said, I want access to the name, Windows NT Magazine. I want access to the registered users. And you know what they said? Well, how many do you need? I said, I don't know, 250,000. They said, okay. And I said, access to advertising. They said yes to all three, and that became the beginning of Windows NT Magazine. Wow. And five-year run, we were, in, we were in 13 languages, 160 countries. Um, we had, you know, we had well over, you know, um, two and a half million uh, page views across our different um, uh, different network of of, uh, of uh, websites, you know, had all these different uh, stuff. So yeah, it was a success, and I sold that to Pent Media in 2000 and continued to run it as the president of Pent 19 Media. So anyway, that's my. But you know, my key differentiator was I was the only publisher out there that was actually an IT guy. <laughs> so I totally, I didn't like kind of know the reader. I like was the reader. So right. that was the. That turned out to be a competitive edge. So, for all you IT guys. <laughs> Very cool. So, when you were doing the AS400, I was uh, a, an HP 3000 network administrator. 
So, okay. you know, I, I, I had the other brand. <laughs> All right. Well, of mini computer, well, but we also, you, had, uh, do you remember Banyan? Nope. Nope. But we had, we okay, had Banyan, Banyan Vines was another one of the network competitors. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, um, I, I knew about Banyan. I just never ran it. Okay. Well, I, um, my very first keynote, I got asked to be a, a keynote. Well, I, I was deathly afraid to talk in front of anybody, like to ask me to talk in front of people. But I knew, hey, now I'm the editor of this new magazine. I better learn how to. So I actually went to a Dale Carnegie course, yeah. you know, and they do the 12. Well, anyway, so about into there and I, I got asked to be the, to not be a keynote, but just be a speaker, you know, one of the side conference deals at a Banyan Vines deal. So I go, I do a cram session. I meet with some vendors. I didn't know Banyan at all, but I knew Windows NT really well. I created a presentation called How to Migrate from Banyan to Windows NT in Seven Steps. And I figured they'll put me off to the side. Guys will be there with their arms folded and like, what, you know, who's this joker or whatever. <laughs> so I get up. I'm ready to go up at uh, 9 o'clock. And at 7.30, they hunt me down and said, you're now the main speaker at, at 9 o'clock. And I said, why? Because the president is going, the CEO of Banyan is going to announce that we're discontinuing Banyan and we're <laughs> recommending everybody migrate to Windows NT. You're now up, the main <laughs> I'm like, what? My very first public speaking gig. Nice. I get up there. I'm like, oh my God, here we go. How to migrate to Windows NT. The whole room was packed. There was probably, I'd say 3,000 people there. Everybody gets their notepad out. There is quiet. You could hear a pin drop and they're taking notes like, because he's going to tell you the seven steps. Anyway, I did the whole thing. It was the highest rated speaker. Everybody signed up for the magazine and that was my debut as a public speaker. Well, you know what I'd do? I'd, I'd sell that checklist. <laughs> <laughs> I well, it became the cover story of one of the issues, and we did it upright, and we welcomed all those Banyan admins into the fold, and they got full membership into the Windows NT world as it was at the time. Right. Anyway, so one of the things that you and I have talked about extensively is how all of those different magazines, all of those audiences, yeah, are sort of not quite melding together, but they're all adding certain elements like recurring revenue. They're all needing the kind of network uh, knowledge and understanding that, you know, we have in our space, uh, but not necessarily in the other spaces. And there's also emerging markets. I mean, I can totally see you guys adding at least two or three magazines just because of the internet of things and the, 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 you know, automotive technology that's coming down the road and so forth. It's just, it's such a great time to be in technology. I mean, I think you agree. This is literally, there's more opportunity today than there has ever been in our lifetimes. That's right. And, and so what you said is exactly correct. So we have this, these other magazines. So as a, you know, technology guy, I, really want to know these readers. So we do surveys to them and I talk to them and, and, and kind of find out. So one of the magazines is, um, it is commercial integrator and commercial integrator goes to commercial guys who sell these AV solutions. So they sell them to big companies and whatnot. 
And we did a survey, how many of you guys are doing recurrently monthly revenue? And maybe 15%, right? So what's the number one thing, they, they opportunity? So here's the big shift that's happened, the big trend, new thing. So about, oh, I'd say three years ago, they used to go and find the AV guy in a company. But the AV guys are gone. They all got absorbed into, guess who? IT. So now they're dealing with this IT guy. They don't know how to speak IT, but they've had to learn. They've had to add network admins in their teams. And so it, it, it's the bizarre thing is they, they price things differently. They don't charge for services all about the project revenue. But, you know, after they've successfully put in a new conference center or a new high-end AV thing, they ask the IT guy, well, what else do you need? And they have no clue. It's, you know, Carl, it's like, you know, I know you've been involved since 2005 in this whole managed service deal, but you need to rewind back to 2005 because that's exactly where they're at. They are, they don't understand, you know, cloud services or this whole managed service provider deal but their interest level has now peaked to, the, to now. That's the number one thing. In fact, a lot of the associations for these AV guys, they're now teaching, they're bringing in MSPs to try to teach them this because they're losing members. Once members discover the managed service model, they, they actually want to move in that direction rather than being pegged as just you know, project-based AV guys. Right. So that's, that was one of our markets. The other one is security. These security guys, same thing in commercial, they used to work around the network, you know, like in the cellular network and everything else. Well, those days are gone. There's many reasons why they've had to come in and work on the network. And so now they're dealing with the IT guy. And the IT guy says, well, hey, cloud services. Now, now what difference between them and the commercial AB guys is they totally get RMR or M. You call it MRR. They call it RMR. <laughs> monthly 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 revenue. Revenue. but um, it's the same thing it, it, you know so they totally get it they understand it they're like okay I want to sell services to IT people but come from the security angle and so many of them have added network admins on their teams so but again there you got to rewind back to 2005 they are just trying to understand this model so what may seem like old hat to you and your audience is now brand spanking new, which is really cool. You are now, you and your audience are now absolute experts <laughs> to commercial AV and these things. The other thing too is these guys are, have no, I mean, maybe your audience deals with maybe smaller companies, but there's now a huge opportunity to go upstream. Oh yeah. These commercial AV guys, you know, you know, they work with 50 million, $100 million companies regularly. And so they're used to dealing with it. And of course, there's not a full IT guy there, but they understand how to add value at that level. So, Well, even the, the home video and home automation, the people who are getting the high-end projects there, all yeah. own companies. Right. <laughs> but your, your clients own companies. That's how yeah. they can afford to put in $20,000 worth of home automation. <laughs> right. Now, the home guys, I got to tell you, they, so we have another magazine called CE Pro. It's the dominant magazine in there. The CE Pro is for residential AV, but now rapidly becoming residential IT, okay? There's so much networking gear. But, and we've been talking about, in fact, a couple of years ago, <clears throat> the speaker 
for the main, we have this show called the CE Pro 100 Summit, where we bring in the top 100 guys. The keynote for three years ago was the CEO of Vivint. Okay, Vivint is a dominant player in security. And he asked a very interesting question. He goes, all right, how many of you guys would take $50,000 now or $50,000 over you know, five years? Well, the entire audience raised their hand, we'll take it now. He said, well, I'm taking it over five years and I'm gonna win. Well, anyway, they, they all looked at him and just, who is this guy? Like, what, what is he talking about? Anyway, two weeks later, Vivint went public for like, and, and their valuation was $2 billion or something. So <clears throat> that market has been the, the most, they just haven't really got RMR. But they now, now that we've surveyed them lately, and they went from maybe 40% interest to 90% interest. They have no idea how to do it. There's only one player in the market that does anything like a remote RMM solution. Probably you've never even heard of it, called Ahiji. Right. Now, what's cool, have you heard of Ahiji? Only from you. <laughs> okay. So Ahiji has solved, whereas all these other RMM solutions in the IT space, discover everything in the commercial world, the Hiji discovers everything in the home world. So they've figured out a way to just anything. It could be, you know, your, your cable box, your TV, whatever. They've figured out a way to discover and manage those just in the same way that, you know, lab tech or whatever they used to do in the IT space, they can do it in the home world. Right. So, Again also exploding, right? The next set of light bulbs that you buy are all gonna be connected to something. Right. <laughs> but you know, it's funny that market hasn't really got it. What I do see the guys who really get it is the security guys, you know, and, and there's a company called alarm.com, which is really a remote and RMM solution, but the best marketing you've ever seen. They've already signed up 20 security, two, no, 20,000 security dealers have now adopted alarm.com to get them into the smart home. So, so does that mean that we're all just going to stop having all these conferences and we're going to have one a year and it's going to be all of the technology in the universe? Um, I think that no, not for now, <laughs> but I do think that, you know, when these guys start to converge and start competing in a space that maybe, you're seeing new type of people coming in. I think you even said it yesterday in a, in a webinar we did together that these security guys can come in and bring their expertise, but bundle it with the normal, you know, cloud services. The AV guys can come in this way. I think in the same way, people are going to have to specialize. You know, they'll do everything you do now, but add a line of business. And now you become the experts in legal or finance or some niche and it kind of dominate that niche. Right. Well, it's interesting, you know, where I think we're entering an era of collaboration on a grand scale, right? I right. mean, a partner that, that deals with security and a partner who deals with cameras and a partner who deals with, you know, home automation or business machines or whatever. I mean, it's as it all moves to TCP IP, we, the network engineers, are the ones who are going to help everybody else, you know, make the, the next leap. Because um, even if you don't know anything about it, you can hire somebody who knows networking, right? Even if all you know is security, you can hire somebody who knows networking, right? So uh, I really think it's going to be a huge opportunity. So one of the things, so you mentioned we did this webinar. 
we did a webinar promoting a new class that you are sponsoring. So, and it's, uh, is, is the actual title going to be Recurring Profits Mastery? MS so, Kickstarter? Uh, yeah, so, so it's the, the overall brand that we're doing. So it'll be a series of, of classes all the way up to, we're actually in the, in the security market, have a recurring profit mastery, like a mastermind course for like really advanced security people. But the, the so it's me recurring profits mastery, MSP kickstart. That's the way I called, you know, and, and really it's designed to do just that, to, to take someone and within six weeks, get them up to speed and become a very modern, you know, um, man of service provider using the latest stuff from you, <laughs> you uh, to, to get there. And again, for our markets, it's totally new. It's, uh, you know, for the commercial integrators, for the security people. So we're having, we're having people sign up for this course uh, yesterday that, quite frankly, never even really, they've heard the opportunity. And now here's, here's somebody coming along who can get them, get them going. And uh, that's it. It's, that's, so it's a, it's a brand new opportunity for some people. Very good. So now we're going to switch this around and you are going to interview me about this course. Right. So Carl, look, um, one of the reasons that we chose you and you agreed to work with us, you know, look, because, you know, we're a magazine, we have four magazines, we have access to a lot of people, but you, you know, shoot, you got your own Wikipedia entry for gosh sakes. It even says Wikipedia. It says that you're one of the pioneers of MSP. You've got all these books and stuff. But anyway, and, and I, you know, just in talking with you and meeting with you, I just thought you're the perfect person to come with all that experience after having trained 2000 people to now train brand new audiences, you know, but I, I did say before the webinar, it's like, can you figure out, can you remember back to 2005, you know, <laughs> what it was like and bring these new group of people along. So that's what it's really designed for. But really it's designed for anybody who may be a project-based company or has just really wants to take advantage of this new model that you taught, what, you know, the cloud five model that you've perfected and done every which way. <laughs> Plus we added a few new things in there uh, in, in this course. So, what, what we designed it over the six weeks to do is like in week one, you know, to, to adopt the MSP mindset, right? So explain to me the, the MSP mindset. What is that? Well, so there's two big components. I mean, the, the first one is really that uh, obviously you want to stop doing break fix. And, and the reason for that is really simple. And I always tell the story about how, when we were first selling this, we would tell our clients, our competition has a closet full of pillows. And every Monday morning, they open the closet and they take out the pillows and they all kneel down and pray that their clients' computers will break so they can feed their families, right? Mm -hmm. So we don't do that. We prevent things from breaking and, and that way, we are motivated the same way our clients are. We make mm -hmm. more money when our clients' machines are working and the client makes more money when their machines are working. Mm -hmm. so that's, that's a big piece of it is kind of that mindset that we're going to manage it. The second piece is the recurring revenue that basically I'm going to sell something so that I get all my money on the first day of the month. And literally, you know, you think about somebody who signs 20 contracts at say $1,500 each. Well, suddenly the, the first of the month comes along 
and they've got thirty thousand dollars. They've they've paid their employees, they've paid their rent, they've paid their light bill, right? And then they only lose the money when they have to spend it delivering service to, to make things work again, right? So it's really tied together with I've got the recurring revenue um, and that helps me with my cash flow, but it also means that I can just focus on keeping machines up instead of this idea that I'm just going to wait and then something breaks and I rush out and fix it. Um, there is no rushing out anymore. And, you know, it really is possible to have machines that just work. And even technicians don't always believe that, but certainly a lot of business owners don't believe that. Mm. Well, so you got, um, I can tell you that really resonated with the audience. The security guys really get that. And they've really focused hard on standardizing equipment and they really don't want things to break either. Right. The, the AV guys were like, ooh, that sounds like magic. Uh, you know, so it's good. So in week two, then the, the really the deliverables, you can help them create a profitable offer. And, and you, again, you taught about the cloud five, but, you know, way to um, – you know, maybe start with that as a, as a baseline, but help them create a profitable offer that uh, you know, is priced and packaged for their audience. So explain to me what that yeah, would look so like. There's, there's so many ways to slice and dice this. That's, that's actually one of the, that, that's a piece of this that's harder to do than it was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Because 10 years ago, everybody sold the same thing, right? Uh, what I'm going to put in my package and what you're going to put in your package are so similar, right? Because it's going to be, uh, remote monitoring, patch management, right? I'm going to, to do a maintenance on the server. I'm going to verify the backup, right? But today, you might throw in the phone system. You might throw in uh, the hardware for the firewall as hardware as a service, right? You might throw in security. You might throw in managed print. There's so many things. And basically, I always encourage people to start with what they know best, So if you've got a specialty in phones or security or whatever, put that in your offer and then you've got a skew that's hard for me to reproduce. Mm -hmm. So, and then you do your, you know, standard, whether it's gold, silver, platinum or whatever, um, you need to have uh, offers and you need to structure them in a way so that no one ever picks the gold offering, right? I've never sold a gold contract ever in 20 years. A handful of people buy silver, everybody else buys platinum. And there's a strategy for how you get that done. And there's actually research about how, how three-tiered pricing works and why that middle offer is there. Because uh, for us, in most cases, it's $100 or $200 a month to move to platinum. So why would anybody ever buy the gold, right? So we talk about putting together packages strategically so that people choose to buy the gold, I mean, or buy the platinum. Mm, excellent. So then in week three, it's the service agreements. And I think what was so great about what you do is that, that you say, hey, there's, well, you tell it, how many, there's, there's how many main agreements and that really to run this business? Well, so I think everybody needs to have, um, you know, a standard agreement that is signed by everybody, like literally a a one or two page terms of service that basically lays out the relationship. And a lot of people think the service agreement is about technology or about managed services or whatever. It's not. That agreement is about keeping your personal stuff and your finances separate from your client's finances. Mm -hmm. 
and it's, it really is the case. So Microsoft and many, many other companies got sued several years ago because they uh, were treating their outsourced employees as uh, outsourced as not being employees, and they got sued. And IRS said, if you tell people where to go and when to be there and which tools to use and the order in which they're going to do the work and where they're going to sit and the order, yeah. right, they are employees. And so that simple agreement just says the technician is going to determine all of those things and it meets all of the IRS's requirements so that your clients never have to worry that they're going, the IRS is going to go after them for your taxes. Mm -hmm. uh, it's also the case that it's, it simply lays out, I'm going to send you an invoice and you're going to pay it. And you've got to have that. And, and people always say, oh, my clients would never sign contracts. That's BS. You sign a contract for the internet, for the window washer, for the guy who picks up the garbage. <laughs> you sign a contract when you park. So, you know, clients will just do this. And um, so that's one. The second one is kind of a bigger, the managed service agreement. This is a longer agreement that goes into much more detail about your relationship and about what they can expect from a managed service agreement. I hate the term all you can eat because all, all a client can eat is your entire company, right? <laughs> There's all <laughs> going to make you completely unprofitable. So you want to make sure you've got a lot of stuff in, in place and that does deal with the relationship at a deeper level. And then there are <clears throat> other, other contracts. So for example, some people have project flat fee contracts um, or they might have a, a development contracts so that you know what are the who owns the code and, and that sort of thing and then I also cover some of the, the niceties like if you decide that you want to have a service level agreement and give people money back if something breaks you can do that I don't encourage that but a lot of people like they somehow think that's going to sell them more clients um, right anyway, so we go into quite a bit of detail about that well and I can imagine if you manage to land an enterprise customer they would insist on it but It'll be worth your while. If it's <laughs> exactly. So, we got okay. about five minutes left, just so you know. All right. So, so let's go real quick. So week four is client meetings. And one of the things you said, you can figure out, hey, what you do before, during, and after. Right. Meetings. So this whole course is designed to take you from where you are doing something other than managed services and into managed services. So, as we go along, we, we prep you for week four, which is at some point you're going to sit down with your clients and you're going to say, here's the offering. Here's what we put together. Here's what we're going to do. I've got three options for you. And, you know, here's what the future looks like. So here's what you spent last year. Here's what you will spend under our new plan. Please sign one of these. And you, you literally have, you know, a, I, I talk about in managed services in a month about the, this is like Tony Soprano, right? Having a little sit down outside of the cafe, <laughs> you know, meeting the meeting of the minds. And when you're done, you've got a new relationship. And so that's a very, again, a very strategic thing. And there's an order in which you want to have these client meetings so that you maximize your success for signing the biggest clients. Hmm. And then week five is tools. So I imagine the PSA, RMM tools that you need to run your business. Yeah. So obviously you need something to deliver the actual services. So the, there has to be an RMM. There's an agent on every machine. It, it allows you to control that machine. It allows you to do uh, antivirus and patch management and, you know, run the actual business, deliver what you've promised. And then you need a PSA, a professional services automation tool to run your own company. 
and to get tickets and to sort of manage the relationship with clients. And of course you need QuickBooks or some other financial tool and all of that needs to tie together. And uh, today, all of those things tie together very nicely. That was not the case two, 10 years ago. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's great. You'll be able to give an overview of that, what's, what's the essential part, and give an overview of some of the most popular ones. In week six, uh, we added this, this thing, which, which you've said, like if you were to go to the Carl's or just the 68-point checklist, you said you dominate Google because this thing is a tried and true uh, checklist that you've used to uh, explain this, this thing that you, you do for clients that helps you get new leads and new clients. So the 68-point checklist is literally a series of questions that helps you guide your sales process. So when you get to a new client, my favorite way of going to a client is doing a network checkup. We don't call it an audit because that sounds like, again, the IRS. So we do a network checkup. And a lot of it is an interview. We ask the clients, what kind of problems are you having and, and what, what frustrates you about your network and how much downtime do you have? And right, we, a lot of it is, an, is not a technical solution, but it's an interview where they get to tell you all their problems. And then that helps because it makes it easy for you to document their problems. And then you do a checkup of all of the things on their network. How fast is their internet speed really? What's, you know, what's the effective speed? And, and if it's slow, you might poke around a little and find out why that is. And you know, what, what do their air logs look like? How much disk space do they have? And how much is in use? And so forth and so on. And so you go through this 68-point checklist, which is like eight pages, and it allows you to then set up the second appointment, which is come back, give them a report, tell them everything that's wrong with their system, and in my opinion, you don't even have a conversation at that point about money. I will not have that conversation until the third meeting because I'll give them the report in person, but when they say, well, how much is this going to cost for you to fix it? I will say, I don't know, but I'll be happy to put together a proposal for you. And then I come back, you know, again and talk about what we do and, and go through that process. So. I want it to be slow. I want them to beg me to come back and tell them what it's going to cost to fix their systems. So there you go. This is the system tried and true to get clients to beg you to sign up for a managed service provider. So the, the cool thing about this is at the end of six weeks, they're going to have a profitable cloud service offer. They'll have service agreements that are ready for clients to sign. They'll have a clean client list. and There's a whole process there for that, you know, getting your, They'll have a plan, you know, to implement the strategy. They'll have a lead gen system to, you know, convert existing clients, but more importantly, go get new clients, you know, with an proven system. And you even throw out the thing, hey, you know what? At the end, you've got students who literally email you and say, hey, I've signed up at least one or two managed service agreements before the class is even over. Yep. I, Which, I pretty much guarantee someone will send me an email and say, I tried this, you know, and, and I've already got my first recurring revenue uh, client. So that's what this course is about. And we put it together. Um, there's a, a link that I don't know if you're going to display it, but it's at ehimpact.co slash order dash kickstart. And remember the, the offer I made available. I'm going to, I asked my people to extend that offer for your audience. Okay. But they'd have to respond. I don't know if that's, Possible. We could put a hidden code there, <laughs> uh, Kickstart, that gives an extra couple hundred bucks off. So the normal price is um, nine ninety seven. It gets it down to seven ninety five. 
So just for listeners that are on this deal, um, I don't know when it's going to go up, but it's a limited time deal. Anyway, um, so uh, yeah, so that's that's the deal. Again, quite frankly, Carl, you know better than anything, but if they can sign up one client, it'll pay for the course and Oh, minutes. absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and my goal was always to try to be right in the range of 900, 1,000, or 1,100 as an absolute minimum per month for a managed service deal. So literally, one client paid for first month, you're done. One month, yeah. Then, then after that, the rest is gravy. Exactly. <laughs> uh, anyway. Very so, cool. So we're going to put all those links and information down below, and we encourage you to check it out. And uh, with that, I thank you, Mark, for joining us. I enjoyed chatting with you, and maybe we'll do this again on a completely different subject in a you know, few months. That was good. Appreciate you having me, Carl. 